Welcome to our second of our midweek uh, podcast Lenten devotions on John chapter 17. Last week after the introductory thoughts on intercessory prayer we now want to turn to think about the first five verses of John chapter 17 and I want to read these first of all to you. After Jesus said this he looked toward heaven and prayed Father the time has come glorify your son that your son may glorify you. You granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your holy and eternal word. We thank you for this ministry of Jesus Christ and his prayer on the evening before he died. We pray, Father, now as we listen to and think about these words of Jesus, we may apply them to our lives and our living for Christ's sake. Amen. Bishop Ryle said of this prayer in John chapter 17, the best and fullest sermon ever preached was followed by the best of prayers. This prayer of Jesus Christ before he was betrayed is prayed in the upper room just after the Passover meal. Jesus just hours away from the cross and he looks up to heaven and prays and it reminds us of those words from Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus is deeply troubled as his hour approaches, the weight of his ordeal is suffering, his sin-bearing agony was increasingly heavy upon him. You know, just as we're walking along, carrying a very heavy load, the longer we walk, the heavier the load seems to get, although the weight of the load hasn't changed. But we're getting tireder and weary, but yet we're determined to keep going until we get to our destination and can put down the heavy load. So Jesus was the same. He was very much of the way of the heavy load of bearing our sins on the cross on himself. And now he turns to his father to seek his help. It begins with those words, Father, the time has come. The time or the hour has come. It's no longer not yet my hour. But now the reality is dawning upon Jesus that the hour was about to happen. It was real. It was very clearly visible in his mind's eye before him. Here in this opening verse in verse 1, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. We see here, Jesus' relationship with his Father. A relationship is clear and open and transparent as it always had been. But here in these moments, before he goes agony and suffering and before he's rejected by his Father, we see the closest of his relationship. No longer is God the Father seen as the Lord Almighty, the one who is unapproachable, the unapproachable God, except by priests and prophets in one place at one time. God is clearly accessible and able to be accessed by Jesus Christ and in turn by us today. In a time now, this person, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh and earth, was going to destroy the veil that separated us between God and heaven. The veil is now, in a sense, rent and visibly would do so on the time of Jesus' death. The family relationship is now established with the Father by the Son. And it's the same for us. We, as God's children, can approach God the Father through Jesus Christ. And this hour for this new access 
by us is now about to happen when Jesus Christ would die on the cross. We meet this word glorify twice in verse 1. And Jesus praying to his Father. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son. Your Son may glorify you. This is the first of two petitions in these few verses by Jesus Christ. And the Bible commentator Campbell Morgan says, The deepest passion of the heart of Jesus Christ was not saving man, but the glory of God, and then the saving of man, because that is for the glory of God. The prayer isn't selfish. Jesus is aware of the burden to finish the work he had come to do. As Jesus prayed, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His chief aim was to lift up, bring glory to and honour to God his Father. It's an example for us of our desire, the way we live our lives if we claim to be Christians, with our lips and with our living, that we bring honour and glory to God, give him the due place in his life and follow his will and give him the central place in our lives in all we say and all we do to bring honour and glory to him, not to ourselves. In verse 1, this word glory, which appears eight times in these, the, this chapter, Jesus brought glory to God through the miracles. His first miracle in Cana of Galilee when he turned the water into wine, he revealed his glory and his uh, disciples put their faith in him. So Jesus revealed who he was in his very first miracle. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? The greatest glory that would be his sufferings. The sufferings that Jesus Christ underwent on the cross. In chapter 13, at verses 31 and 32, he said these words, Now is the Son of Man glorified. God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. The glory God and of the Father and the Son was through the cross when Jesus Christ would draw all people to himself. As centurion, remember, at, uh, on that Good Friday said, Truly this was the Son of God. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus returns to this word. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. We do any job, we should do it to God's glory and do it because through it we can be a witness for him. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 25, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Jesus brought glory to God by completing the work he was sent to do by the Father. In these verses of this prayer, we find the second petition of Jesus Christ. Jesus now praying for the return to his eternal position and status he had before the earth, his eternal place before the creation of the world. Just read those words again. Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's his death on the cross. And he says, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. He asked Jesus, to God the Father, to glorify him through his not only his death, but his resurrection and his ascension or exaltation back to heaven again. Remember how Philippians chapter 2, uh, Paul says, 
of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, but made himself nothing, and taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then Paul goes on to say of Jesus' finished works, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus is our model for carrying out and completing God's will, plan and purpose through us for the salvation of all the world. We are called to complete the task of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to all other people and to all the world. When Jesus said the words, it is finished, it signified the completion of his work of victory, not of defeat. Paul, writing to Timothy around the time of his execution, said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I finished the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me also, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us why Jesus kept going and completed his task. And the result, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' position was restored, regained, for finishing the work he was sent to do. God will bless us if we seek to bring honour and glory to his name and complete the task he calls us to do. In verse 2 we read these words. <clears throat> You granted him authority over all people that he might give you eternal life to those you've given him. Jesus had given, been given power and authority while on earth by God the Father. He was able to cast out demons, heal the sick, still the sea, feed the hungry, help the blind to see and the deaf to hear. The people recognised authority. He was one teaching with authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. He had authority over all people. And his desire and his aim was to have authority to give them eternal life. Jesus, speaking here to his departing disciples, said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations. Jesus still is in a position of authority in heaven. One day will come back to a position of authority as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But in the meantime, he has given the same authority uh, to those who are his followers on earth to go and make more followers. Jesus' authority was to give them eternal life. And that's what Jesus came to do. Through his death and finished work on the cross, he gives the gift of eternal life to all people whom God has given to him and who respond to the message of the gospel. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as God gave Jesus as his gift to us, so his gift to us is eternal life. And all Christians are God's gift to his Son when they trust in him as our Lord and Saviour. Verses 3 and 4, this eternal life theme is developed in the prayer. Through eternal life, we enter into a permanent relationship with God as our Father. We get to know him as we grow into that relationship as his children. We can know about uh, something or someone. But knowing someone and knowing them is different. We can know God and enter into a personal relationship through Jesus Christ. Verses 3 and 4 says, This is eternal life. Then we know you, the one 
and only true God, whom Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we enter into a relationship through faith in Jesus Christ with God as our Father. John, in his first epistle, says, And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has a Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know him who is true. God has given us minds to understand and to think and to perceive what our position is before God. Sinners, that we have Jesus Christ as our Saviour. So we can understand with our minds and we can respond with our hearts and with our lives, lives to this gift of eternal life. And therefore we get to know God personally and Jesus Christ. You see, people try to get to know God and gain eternal life without coming through the only door, the gate of salvation, Jesus Christ. The only way to get to know God personally is to go, is to come and to know Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you'd know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus offers access to the Father through his finished work on the cross. Otherwise, any other means of getting to know God is false and it's a dead end. It does not bring us to heaven and into a relationship with God. And Jesus and God in, their, in his word says that it is idolatry to make any other means of salvation run through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Bible commentator Merle Tenney says, only the knowledge of God can give enduring satisfaction because God alone is eternal. Contact with God will provide the fullest experience. The experience of God's eternal being will be eternal life. It is crucial and vital for salvation to know God. Jill Briscoe writes, You can't go to heaven unless you know God through Christ. In his prayer for his disciples, including those who follow him today, Jesus said, This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Knowing God doesn't mean to know all about him. We will never achieve that this side of eternity. But God has given us knowledge to understand the way of salvation through Christ alone. We all have the information given to us in the Bible so we can turn to him and be saved. We are not without excuse to say we never knew or heard the way of salvation, how to know God and how to receive eternal life. Verse 3 is a key verse. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word eternal life, 17 times in John's Gospel, it's mentioned. God's free gift to those who believe in his Son. Jesus speaking of himself in John 3.15 says, Everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And in verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And in verse 36 of chapter 3 he says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. He goes on to say, in chapter 6 and verse 47, I tell you the truth, he who believes has eternal life. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. 
Jesus in chapter 10 of John's Gospel, verse 28, speaking of those who are the sheep who hear his voice, listen to him and follow him. You see, we can say, I believe in God, as we say in the creed, but so does the devil. He believes in God. After all, he's a fallen angel. But believing is more than believing God exists. It means entering into a relationship with him through Christ and his finished work on the cross. Even religious leaders, devout people, didn't know God personally, nor understand who Jesus was. They knew about him from the Old Testament, but they had not realised he had come and his real saving work on the cross. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 28, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, that I do nothing on my own, but just what the Father has taught me. You see, entering into relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in him and his finished work is the essential thing to getting to know God and to have God's gift of eternal life. Eternal life, Warren Wisby says, is not something we can earn by character or conduct. It's a gift of love received by admitting we are sinners, repenting and believing in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In these verses, therefore, Jesus is about to die. By his death, he would bring glory and honour to his Father by finishing the work he had sent him to do. By his death, he answered the first petition, brought glory to God the Father and to the Son in in turn. But also God answered his second petition in verses 4 and 5 by glorifying Jesus Christ and bringing him back into his presence. So Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. He gives it to those who come to him. When we look up to the one who is lifted up on the cross for us, then we are called sons of glory. The one who causes causes to live for him and to bring honour and glory to him, just as he brought honour and glory to God the Father, whose honour and glory in the world had been dismissed and rejected by the world. Jesus Christ brought honour and glory to the Father again by his death, by his resurrection and by his ascension. And he desires that we bring him into our lives, become sons of glory. Then we in turn, by our daily living, bring glory to him. God's free gift to us is eternal life. God desires us to know him as our father and us to be his children, adopted by his spirit into his family. One day we will have a place of glory in heaven with Jesus Christ when we acknowledge him as Lord and Saviour and receive his gift of eternal life. So may our prayer be that we own the name of Jesus Christ and glorify him in our lives. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for his sacrificial death on the cross, for the glory he brought to you on earth by his living and by his death. We thank you for the glory you gave to him by raising him from the dead and by bringing him back to his place of glory and exaltation in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray that by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we may become sons of glory, and in our lives and our living, we may bring glory to you in all our thoughts, words and deeds, and our living. In your name we pray. Amen.